Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsession will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark down for a while. Hey, you guys, it's me, Jackie Cation. That's right. First ranger among rangers of the Dork Forest. You're listening to the Dork Forest. The websites, of course, are thedorkforest.com. Just regular dorkforest.com goes right to it. There's uh, familypetancestry.com that goes to jackiecation.com because it made me laugh. Allthingscomedy.com has a Dork Forest page, and that is because that is my podcast umbrella network, and they have a lot of other podcasts on, on their website. If you're looking for other pods to listen to, a lot of stand-up comics have their podcasts on there. Al Madrigal and Bill Burr, of course, being the most famous. The credits, let's do it. Patrick Brady's going to fix this audio. Mike Rickberg composed and sang the intro song to The Dork Forest. He will sing again his words to the Mexican hat dance at the end. And Vilmos fixes JackieCation.com. He will be fixing up the merch page and making everything more expensive. So if it's... $25 for a t-shirt with shipping. It's $30. Then that is taken into account that postage has gone up. And uh, yeah, I raised the prices. But it all includes shipping. All the merch, I might as well talk about it. If you go to JackieCation.com on the merch page, the store page, you can get Ranger the Dork Forest t-shirts, the Dork Forest t-shirts. I'm phasing out the brown ones. It's just going to be green. So, But I have some left in stock, and I'm going to bring them on the road. They're all union-made, all the t-shirts. They are made in the United States of America by union workers who have dental and health care, very glamorous. And so, hence, they run big, just so you know, because they're made by union members and Americans. We proudly, uh, I guess, or with some shame, are slightly larger than other people. You can also get all of my CDs. My CDs are available digitally on Amazon or iTunes. You can just also stream them on Pandora or Spotify, but you can buy hard copies on my website. So there's the first one, Circus People, hard copy, involve, includes a, a a quick time video from my 2003 Comedy Central special. The It's Never Gonna Be Bread, which was top 10 comedy albums of the year in 2010 when it came out on Amazon.com. And my new one, which came out last year, was top five comedy specials of the year on Vulture.com, and that is called This Will Make an Excellent Horcrux. This Will Make an Excellent Horcrux is available as a CD, as a DVD, or as a downloadable $10 special on ComedyFilmNerds.com, which I also write movie reviews for. Um, you can get just a, town, uh, a download of it. The DVD itself has a, a, a DVD bonus, and I can sign anything. I can not sign things. There is a new T-shirt, and it is the Spooky Reading Girl T-shirt, a reference uh, from my act. Okay, other than that, the L.A. Podcast Festival is coming up, you guys. It's where everybody gathers. And if you're coming to it, go to LAPodFest.com and buy tickets and come to the podcast festival. It's the weekend of September 19th. If you can't make it, you can live stream all of them for a month. All of the different podcasts are being filmed uh, and then live streamed and then saved for a month so you can buy them all for $25 if you are not going to be able to make the podcast festival and you would like my podcast and everybody else's podcast in the whole world. Mark Maron's podcast is going to be there. Aisha Tyler's podcast is going to be there. Uh, Thrilling Adventure Hour is doing one. Uh, Paul Gilmartin, who was just on the show. And you can live stream all of it. It's $25 for all of them. You can save five bucks if you use my code, which is DORK, D-O-R-K, oddly enough. And then it's 20 bucks for everybody. My podcast is going to be 4 p.m. on Saturday, September 19th. Uh, my guest will be Greg Proops. And then I'm also doing Paul Gilmartin's podcast that night where we will open a vein and talk about any sort of mental illness that I might have because he has a thing called Mental Pod, Paul Gilmartin. That's at 10, p 10 p.m. All these times are Pacific. Now, when I do the live shows now, I'd make them premium episodes. That's on Bandcamp. So if you go to uh, probably bandcamp.com slash the Dork Forest, I don't know, there's a link. And uh, there's special 
their special premium episodes. I think they cost $2 because sometimes the live ones cost money to put up with the audio guy and the travel and the hotel and whatever. Other than that, there's, of course, a donation button on both dorkforest.com and jackiecation.com where you can donate to the show. If you are enjoying the show, feel free to donate. Uh, this has been a weird year financially. And so if you like the show, you could donate 10 bucks a month. I haven't made that easy because I don't like regular money coming out of anything. So you just have to remember, oh, I like this show. Here's $10. And I'd love $100 from everybody. That's what I would love. If you have $100 a year, I would love that. And if you have more, uh, God knows, I would love that too. But whatever you like, whatever you can afford, and if you can't afford any of it, that's fine. Don't worry about it. I'm glad you like the show. Talk it up. You can also support the show by uh, buying merch, which we talked about, or using the Amazon banner on JackieCation.com, which is when you order from Amazon. And we all do. I'm almost sure, certain we all do. Uh, I, I know it only works with the U.S. version of Amazon, though. But you click through to the U.S. Uh, version of Amazon. You do your order just like normal. And it supports the show a little bit. And it doesn't cost you anything extra on Amazon. I do stand-up comedy, Jackie Cation does. And there is a tour page on JackieCation.com that tells you where I'll be doing it. It's an exciting time. Feel free to come and see me live. But for the love of everybody and their grandmother, let's get into the dorkdom of the day. Thanks for listening, you guys. Let's do this. Hey, it's Jackie Cation. I'm in my living room here in Van Nuys. I'm with a young man that I like to call Matthew Defee. <laughs> How you doing? Is that what you like to call me? That's what show? I like to call me. Something is it Defee? Too, yeah. is Diffie. It Diffie. 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 Oh, I like Diffie. I like it rhymes with Iffy. Yeah, I like Diffie, Diffie. because it's, uh, yeah, Defee sounds like you're, you're trying to. Yeah, it's like French or something. Yeah. Do you have Diffie. siblings? Diffie. I do. I have an older brother, a younger sister. And do they say Diffie? They say Diffie also. <laughs> I'm just curious. Oh, we're consistent in that, yeah. Well, I have a, a five siblings, and three of my five siblings oh. have started uh, going ethnic on our last name. Oh, really? Yeah, my dad, Cation, just yeah. like vacation, no ve. Uh, three of my siblings are doing some sort of version of Cashian, Cashian, and Cashian. Oh, okay. And you're like, you do whatever you need to do, but yeah. I'm going to be over here yeah, with just whatever. Just be normal. Just be a normal location from Wisconsin. Where does it name, the name come from? It's though? Armenian. Okay. Yeah. So is it actually in Armenia? Would it be? Uh, Kashian or Kashian. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're going ethnic. So they're correct. They are correct. I and mean, you're just the American version. As my sister likes to say, it was corrected by the archbishop. Oh. And I was like, well, my, my apologies. Well, let's talk to the Catholic ghost of the holy city of Ejmiazain and see if he wants to call it Cation. Yeah. But my, my, my grandparents just tried to blend. They were melting. Yeah. They were immigrants. As they, they should, I imagine. They were like, look over there. No, we're yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you, uh, you're on the show. You sent me your book. Yeah. And, uh, it's great. Well, thank you. And it's, uh, it's an adorable name. Handwritten, hand drawn. Yeah. Handwritten. Also handwritten, also probably. Handwritten, yeah. Hand-drawn jokes for smart, attractive people. Matthew yep. Diffie. It's not for everyone. Not for, it is for everyone. <laughs> and as with all comedy, some of them are better than others for yeah. me. Just yeah. me. I, me too. Between me and you. You know, I had 265 pages to fill, so. Did you have 265 pages to fill? Did they say we needed to be 265 yeah. pages? Well, I didn't know that books work that way. They, they, the way they fold them and the way they print them and cut them, they have yeah. like increments. You have to hit one of the increments. You can't just make up whatever number you want. You can't just do your art and yeah. then have them yeah. somehow figure to, out what to, to the, do with the last nine well, pages. Well, they do, but that, that's why you often see a lot of books with a lot of empty pages at the beginning or the end. Oh. They're just trying to fill the... Oh, I see. I don't know how it works. I think it's multiples of eight or 16. The way, the way the Interesting. Printing. Yes, you learn something new every day. And this was on it. Dork That's what the Dork Forest is about, <laughs> learning for stuff. Yeah. So you sent me the book, and the book is cool, but I was like, well, what's, what's your dorkdom? And you're like, well, I got banjos, and I got <laughs> juggling, and I got, and, uh, there's, there, <laughs> you're like, I got plenty of dorkness, yeah. But yeah, you were in the right space. I mean, I'm a cartoonist. That are by itself is fairly dorky. Right, because it's a solo activity. <clears throat> yeah. So is it, is that how it starts when you're a kid? Cause I, did you ever draw? On desks in a lead pencil. Like draw on the actual desk? Yeah. Probably. Because we had kids <laughs> in my junior high uh, who used to draw on the desks, and some of them were gorgeous. Huh. And the teachers would actually leave them. They're I remember like, drawing like on the back side, the back edges, which are tiny little canvases to work on. But yeah? I was never so bold as to draw right on the top. It was gutsy stuff. Yeah. It felt gutsy stuff. What did you, what, uh, what was, the, did you have books? Did you do like drawing the Marvel way? Did you get any of that yeah, nonsense? Yeah, I had that stuff, but I never wanted to be a cartoonist until I was 29 years old. So I'm kind of an anomaly that way. That I is. I wanted to be like a real artist, you know, like a, oh, so no. I was into wildlife art. That's what I wanted to do when I was a kid in Texas. Oh, 
Did you want to paint like okay? Yeah, like so you duck grew up stamps. In- That's what was my greatest goal in life. To paint wildlife on, you know, duck stamps is a big deal. It's a big whole world what is it? to itself. Well, it's what wildlife artists. They, had, they, I don't know if they even do it anymore, to tell you the truth, but it used to be like the, the epitome of when you've arrived as a wildlife artist okay. to have a duck print. It was a contest that they would do every year to okay. see which got, who got the duck. It's actually referenced in Fargo. Uh, uh for instance, McDormand's husband is a wildlife artist and okay. trying out for, trying for the, whatever, the 20 cent stamp or whatever it was at that point. To actually so, get your drawing of a duck on a stamp. Yeah, that was big. And that is that. And that used to be a contest that the post office would have. I guess so. Right. I never, I never got into it far enough. I was, you know, I was thirteen at the time. I never got old enough or good enough like, to actually this enter it. But I knew that was coming. So you if can I kept that track. Can you draw a lot? You can, of course. I've seen many animals yeah. in, in your uh, in the cartoons. Yeah, in New I enjoy cartoons. doing it now and then. I was a I was a little wildlife kid. You know, Ranger Rick magazine. Yeah. <laughs> I had a subscription to that. Okay. I was really into going out in the field and bird watching and sketching and okay. listening and to John Denver. That was my whole world when I was my 14-year-old world. <laughs> well, I see that <laughs> yeah. you were clearly a chick magnet. Exactly. Uh, at the time, I believe I was reading uh, Civil War re- uh, history, <laughs> uh, historical fiction. Yeah. So when you were out in the woods <laughs> not getting laid, same over yeah. here. Uh, uh, and But there was, weirdly enough, in marching band, a couple huh. of girls I knew who were 14 getting laid 14 14 seems early I think that's too young yeah I, it's and as i get say. older it gets uh it gets younger, younger and younger, younger. <laughs> yeah. i'm like as what i always say to my nieces and nephews wait till college yeah. do, do us all a favor it's scary for grown-ups yeah when you mm. grow up too fast so all you're drinking and drugging and sexing wait till you're in wait college till you're old. and please yeah. go to college yeah. and uh so those were the only that was my only advice to them that's pretty good so, advice that's all right solid solid advice yeah. and if any of them followed it doubtful but yeah. uh, some of them did. It's but a different that's, age now, boy. Whew. Well, some of them are gi- were tiny nerds, yeah. and so they didn't get laid at all. So yeah, they were much a, like myself. Nerds are good protection, I so, think, in life. I think it's so. Your, so what safe. did you what did you draw with as a fourteen year old? How did you draw? Well, you know, I drew and painted. You know, did realistic you animals. Or? Yeah, I did it all. I did. You know, I don't guess I had started painting on oil yet because oil was more of a production. You know, more messy and more. More chemicals involved, right? And it's um, but did you? Do your parents support it? And they were oh yeah, like, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my You're, dad was like an amateur artist. He was an airline pilot. Okay, but making art all the time in the, in the background and making music and oh wow. Yeah, so I was. So you were given pencils and markers and then chalks oh, yeah. and then yeah, craypaws and. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you ever you ever work in craypaws? Yeah, I was doing steel by the time I was sixteen. <laughs> steel sculptures in the back. Oh fair no, enough. it was very it was very encouraged in my life. In fact, I you know. Was this is another weird dorkdom? I was very religious as a kid, and wanted to go to a preacher college and learn to be a preacher, oh, interesting. missionary, and that at that point. And my dad By said, choice. "No, yeah, well, that's a whole another." But was, then my dad basically weighed in and said, "I'm not paying for that. You have to go somewhere where you can also study art." Oh, interesting. So, well, your dad yeah. sounds like the antithesis exactly. of every other dad. That's kind of hilarious. Yeah. It's like, I'm sorry, you want to be super religious at this point. Yeah. I'm going no, to need you to go honest. get laid and uh, <laughs> smoke some weed. Yeah. And uh, and then, then if you want, then it was, because <laughs> in my family, they were like, well, you have to get a degree in political science. Oh, yeah. And then you can do stand-up comedy. Huh. And then if well, you... Well, that's helpful. Political science kind of leads to some, some comedy. No, chance, no, I'm, I'm just sure. full of rage. I'm just, I, I have no political. <laughs> comedy because every political joke I've ever tried uh, to write just leads to rage. Yeah. Uh, not hilarious. Rage never funny. Yeah. yeah, that's true. You need to have, I guess, the balance to be able to make fun of the things twist. with a light touch. You need a twist. Uh, and uh, and if you're just uh, still mad, uh, yeah. <laughs> the comedy might be that you have an aneurysm. Yeah. Uh, that's never going to do Although it. There's some angry comics that made a, made it work. Somehow, yeah, it's true. But maybe not political, necessarily. Or, like, uh, or there's a twist. Yeah. Like, um... I'm spacing his name, Comedy Central, uh, The Black. Daily Show, Lewis Black. Yeah. That's who I'm thinking of. And he uh, does a lot of shouting, yeah. uh, but he usually has some sort of weirdo twist to it. Huh. Liz Winstead, very political, yeah. uh, but and, and clearly angry, yeah. um, works with a lot of sarcasm yeah. and, uh, and always a nice twist to it. Uh, I just... Continued rage, <laughs> just me, still mad, still the citing examples. And you're still up there <laughs> exactly, shouting. me talking about the Constitution, nobody giving a shit, and they're like, "Didn't we come here to see one-liners?" Anyway, so is there? So was there special paper? Oh yeah, yeah. Is there? Is, I mean, I've worked with everything. When I was fourteen, I was doing whatever I could get my hands on. Right, um, just lined. 
Yeah. Um, now, as a cartoonist, I'm very into uh, your hard press uh, Bristol. What which is, is that? Uh, hard press, it means it's smoother than okay. cold press. What's it cold made of? Cold press has some texture. Uh, trees. They're just, yeah. it's just regular paper. Yeah, it's just regular like paper. like cotton based no, or no, no. paperous or. I don't think so. Egyptian. Um, linen. I wish it was. That would be more dorky, but. Yeah. No, it's just a Bristol paper, uh, which is. It's a brand name? No, Bristol is a type, I guess, of paper, and it's, I, I clearly don't know what it is. Oh, fair but enough. But it's, it's what, but it's your, it's what on. you're looking for. Yeah. It's, it's thicker than your regular paper. And in my case, smoother. It's like a glass almost surface. And I work with pencil on that, dark pencil. And you don't do any electronic stuff? No. You do all straight? Yeah. I mean, occasionally, maybe one out of a hundred cartoons, the New Yorker will do a little bit of fixing. Okay. In post. Oh, and they'll, but they'll do it? Yeah. Yeah, the, I don't the, really do it. I mean, I've done a couple of them, or I've had friends do it. I'm not very computery. At right. All. Well, I mean, I think Barely. if you if no, if you're allowed stuff. to continue to work in the medium that you have always worked in, you yeah. don't you're not forced to all of a sudden learn C plus plus and then off to some weirdo races. Of, yeah, I'm very old school as far as yeah. art goes. Well, good. Which is dorky in its own way. Yeah, and the fact that the New Yorker is on board and they're like, no, we have a guy. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, they have a whole department. They have a whole department that can clean that up. You, yeah. you want to get rid of that lake? But I Gone. do pride myself in, in mostly turning it in print ready. That's, you know, part of the skill or part of the, yeah? the craft. What makes it print ready? Just being clean, you know, free of any mistakes and dark enough to print well and at the right scale. Okay. Um, you know, I draw the drawings about, you know, eight inches by eight inches or 10 inches by 10 inches even, and then they print them, you know, on a four inch. Okay, so it has to be divisible and it has to be easily... Yeah, it has to read at that scale. Like, you can't do, put something that's too tight of detail because at that scale it just turns into, like, a, a shaded area. Yeah, almost. yeah. Like it's, that's the mechanics of lines next to other lines. When shrink down, shrunk down, you know, it just becomes, like, a gray scale It's just a blur. Area. Yeah. yeah. So That's interesting. Yeah. And so do you have to... Because if, if you... Because I've seen paintings that are... You know, when you go to the museum and you see a giant painting mm-hmm. and they have the room to make, you know, a, a mouse like these things that yeah. Andy has up on the wall. I don't know who they are, but they're they're It's all detail. Yeah. And as far as I'm concerned, it's a gray scale. Yeah. Um, but if I got close to them, which I haven't in years, uh, <laughs> you could see tiny fairies and, yeah. uh, oh. and a lot of things going down. Tiny fairies. Tiny fairies yeah. flying around doing things. I can see some of them from here. Right. Some, yeah, those are the, the largest of all the fairies <laughs> that are available. <laughs> but if you got in, if you got in close, I don't even, it's called Fool's Hollow, the something, the it gathering. It appears to be some sort of a pen and ink drawing from where I'm sitting. Right. There's nothing better, by the way, I think on radio and podcasts than des- describing art. Describing art? art? Oh, <laughs> you should have heard the Bent Washburn episode. Oh, you yeah. described a lot of fine art. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Brush strokes. It could, this also could be some sort of an etching, I imagine, or a lithograph. Hard to say. It is hard to say. I think it's a lithograph. I don't yeah. know if it's, I, it might even be. A, I don't know if it might be a print, but I don't think yeah. it is because it's signed. But uh, uh, it's called Fool's Hollow, the Gather. It's some sort of fantasy. F- well, fairy art. I yeah, mean. yeah, it's fantasy fairy art. Yeah, uh, because uh, it's like comics art. Because uh, Andy Ashcraft, my beloved, enjoys uh, uh, fantasy. Yeah. He enjoys fantasy art. So you went with more realistic animals, so you could probably draw a pretty good horse. I can draw a pretty good horse, yeah. You, yeah, you can I get can it draw right. several different kinds of horses, even. Can you draw? Can you draw like an Appaloosa? I could probably draw an Appaloosa. When I was I might a kid, have to I do wanted. a little little bit of Google image searching, but you okay. wanted an Appaloosa as a kid. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted an Appaloosa and a dog. What about a Palomino? Those were pretty popular. Those were pretty po- popular, but uh, I think the book that I read about the Indian child, the Native American mm. child, they had an Appaloosa. Appaloosa, and yeah. uh, they wrote it uh, bareback, and that's what I wanted to do. And I wanted moccasins and a knife, and uh, I wanted to be left alone. Everybody wants week. to ride bareback until they do it, right? Because it's not me a not comfortable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's. Uh, yeah, so lots of animals, and then what? Did you go to college for art? Yeah, I studied. I the first semester I studied missions or ministry work and art, and right. then after the first semester, I switched to straight art. I've never had a major. Jesus dork on. I've always been frightened of yeah. my brother. Are you a bit of a Jesus dork? I certainly was younger, right? In my younger years, right? Um, 
I, I still like his works. I, I, I'm still pro Jesus. <laughs> some good ideas there. It's, a, it's some of his followers that, that I have For troubles sure. with. Yeah, uh, people are people are the worst. <laughs> Ruin everything. Sometimes people break things, yes. including religions. Yes, and um, so you never did become. Um, nope, never did become a missionary that I thought I was going to be. Well. When They're I was in my high bossy. school, yeah, when, you, when you're in your high school years, you just sort of, you're looking for a world to connect with and a community. And, and for me, it was, it was these sort of fundamentalist Christian circles I was in. What, what so part of Texas were, did you get raised Well, I grew up, up in? in Denton, Texas, which is just north of Dallas, Texas, which is okay. pretty much part of Dallas now. Yeah, um, now it's all bleeds into itself, yeah. right? And yeah. then I moved to North Carolina, uh, Winston-Salem area. Okay. Kernersville. Kernersville. Yeah. That's a, Ah, it's North Carolina. Time. I'm going to Charlotte. Yeah, Charlotte's cool. I uh, I think that's where the NASCAR museum. That's the uh, only thing I've ever been to in Charlotte. There you go. And it was uh, it was lovely. I asked yeah. if they had any ashtrays. Uh, and for sale. For sale at yeah, the gift shop. NASCAR and ashtray. The, and the guy said, "No." And I said, oh, well, "I thought it was." That's what I said. It's and tobacco he said, country, and it's NASCAR. And country. it's NASCAR. And he said, "Yeah, but it isn't 1977." <laughs> and I was like, two points. Yeah. That might even be a three pointer. Yeah. <laughs> You're correct. That still surprises me, though. I would have been on your side. Did yeah. you get a, a koozie? Uh, the, those were available, but I never want to keep anything uh, cold. Huh. So uh, for so, lukewarm beverages, yeah. No, I just, uh, I just, I'm all right with it getting room temperature. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't drink enough uh, canned beer uh, yeah. for it to really ever in illicit matter. situations where you have to cover up the fact that you're drinking beer, right? Or possibly a diet coke. I'm good. It yeah. turns out it'll be fine. So let's actually get to banjos. I like the banjos. idea. Banjos. What do you know about banjos, and why do you um, know about? Banjos? I do not know as much as many. Sure. Banjo is a, you can go deep. Is it an inscrutable, it seems like an inscrutable instrument. I suppose so, and, and from the outside, um, you can get <laughs> levels of peeling the onion back. But, sure. Um, yeah, I started playing banjo when I was a little kid in, in Texas. Okay. Uh, my dad was a big bluegrass music aficionado and was in bands and stuff. He played the dobro. Do you know what that is? No, what is that? Dobro is actually a, I guess a, uh, what's it called? A brand name. Okay. For a resophonic guitar. Okay. It's a guitar that has like a, a metal cone basically built inside it to, to help amplify the sound. This is yeah. before microphones. And a lot of people play them flat, or I guess a dobro is played flat. The, the strings like, are raised like a steel off the fret, like a steel guitar. Of? Yeah, like an acoustic steel guitar kind of. But and dobro was a brand name that Gibson had oh. at one point based and on the, the people who made it were the Dobera brothers. So okay. Dobro, Dobrothers. Um, but it is not a steel guitar. It's not a steel guitar. Okay. It is and an I don't acoustic know much about guitar steel guitars. It's an acoustic slide guitar, yeah. Resophonic. And so you decided <clears throat> to start playing the banjo. So yeah, so I was going around to bluegrass stuff all my life, you know. We went to bluegrass festivals as a as a kid and cool. dad was in bands and and for me the banjo Who are the was the famous banjos one. players of the world. Oh my god. Are there? Um, well, Steve oh, Martin, yeah. I suppose. Steve Martin is fairly famous. <laughs> For not other for things, although not for you know banjo. now, uh, who, let's see, uh, Earl Scruggs would be the most famous banjo. Have you heard his name? I have heard the name yes. Earl Scruggs. Yeah, Earl so. Scruggs even has like the Earl the Scruggs style, which is a three finger picking style as opposed to claw hammer or frailing, which is like a sort of a mountain style that's okay. more rhythmic, less less melodic, I guess. So Earl Scruggs more of a pick, <clears throat> and then other people three more picks. of a strum. Pick on his thumb and his index and middle finger. Oh, so he's okay. got these three fingers going like a little. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so that, that was sort of the breakthrough. He played with the, the Bill Monroe. That's where bluegrass comes from. The Bill Monroe, uh, band was called the Bluegrass Boys. In and when the, was that? Uh, mid forties, right after the war, I think is when it kind okay. of. Okay. Kind of popped. Hit big, yeah. Okay. And it was when Scruggs came into his band. Before that, he had a, another guy, I think. Oh, somebody's going to correct me on this. I think it was String Bean. Okay. Um, Aikman. Was someone playing. should be named String Bean yeah. if they are not. And he was playing a claw hammer style and then Scruggs came What's in. a claw hammer look like? A claw hammer, you kind of hold your hand like this. In a claw. And you, yeah, and you go down the strings with the back of your middle finger. Oh, nails. it's like a, more of a strum? Yeah, but then you land with your thumb and you pluck up. So, dung, chicka, dung, chicka, dung, chicka, dung, chicka, dung. Kind of oh, a wow. dumb, bum, diddy. Yeah, yeah. Thing. What you would hear who, it. I who's in a, a Who's in a bluegrass, uh, who's in a bluegrass band? What, what instruments? Yeah, well, it's traditionally, mm-hmm. and this is the trick because bluegrass is, means a thousand different things to different. Traditionally, it's guitar, more of a rhythm guitar sort of right. thing. Mandolin, that's what Bill Monroe played. Okay. Uh, and then there's fiddle, 
And then oh. there's banjo. Right. And upright bass. And then the sixth sort of variable is the dobro. Okay. Which kind of came in. Josh Graves was kind of the first big dobro player in the Stand up bass, banjo, banjo, regular guitar. Guitar, yep, acoustic. And then what am I missing? Uh, mandolin. Oh, the mandolin. Fiddle. And the fiddle. Yeah. And then, and, and then, and then maybe a dobro. The dobro would be the, the next al- alternative. And after that, maybe harmonica, though. And Purists then, would not consider harmonica a bluegrass instrument. Really? Yeah. So, or at least not, not an original bluegrass. Not, yeah, not yeah. in the five. Piece. Right. So, uh, now, so it started with Bill Monroe and the Bluegrass Boys. Yep. In the mid forties, I want to say. And they called themselves maybe. the Bluegrass Boys probably because they were from Kentucky yeah, that the makes sense. State. Yeah. Yep. So and then he was sort of notorious for being a, a kind of a domineering, <laughs> maybe an asshole. The pushiest. Yeah. <laughs> the and pushiest so, so he would push does. people out of the band, and so okay. for instance, Lester Flat used to be the guitar player in his band, and so Flat and Scruggs went off and started their own band. Okay. And so like from that one band sprung a bunch of bands because he was kicking members out and rotating. <laughs> right. And so they he went on and did their own thing. A kind of music. Exactly. By kicking, by kicking people, people out of his, out of his own band. Yeah, I think He's so. like, go start your own damn yeah, band. Yeah. And That's how pizza places start. Yeah. Uh, so what did Lester Flat play? Lester Flat, Flat played the guitar. Oh, he's a guitar player. Yeah, and singer. Right. Who, who's a famous uh, fiddle player? Well, Chubby Wise, I think, was the first was fiddle one of player the... in that band. Not the first fiddle player, of course. Right, right. But, sure. But that um, was the famous. Yeah, that was the, the outfit there. I don't remember the bass player's name. Oh, that's awesome. That's, uh, but I... Isn't that sad? The bass player, you never remember. Yeah, well, he probably got laid player. anyway because yeah, he yeah. was probably inscrutable looking. Band. He was just sort of like this, one of those stoic, you know, when the bass <laughs> player in the rock band? Yeah, yeah. just stands there but holding it down. There's always some woman who's like, oh, I want to. I want to see what that guy's like. That's the guy. Out. That's the guy with no expression on his face. I want to see what he's like in the sack. Yeah, and he's it's got good weird. rhythm, I think. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's them and the but then the drummer because the drummer's always hiding. Yeah. So there's yeah there is no there's no uh, there's no percussion. Yeah, the, the the mandolin often fills that role. It's called chunking. Okay. Oh really? <laughs> Where you sort of dampen all the strings. Yeah. Uh, you know, and you with your you know oh. you pick across the strings makes sort of a. What kind of music has the washboard? Is that Cajun? uh, Old-timey. See, bluegrass came out of old-time music, which was sort of this Appalachian version of like British Isle music mixed with a little African-American blues kind of stuff. Just a bunch Um, of peasant folks getting together, banging on things and trying to make... Actually, I think old-time is is probably less African-American, and I think... After some of the the blues stuff came in to then make it to make bluegrass. Okay. Somebody out there. Oh, right, because sure, there was a, a mix of some of the blues. Gonna, yeah, there was a little bit of that, some gospel, some. Sure, it came um, in to, to sort of jazz up. Yeah. Possibly jazz. Jazz also. <laughs> I mean, the thing about jazz that it shares is like old time music, like, you know, traditional Irish music or whatever. Yeah. Everyone's playing the melody in okay. most cases. Oh. And occasionally the fiddle would be the only instrument that would play the. Like a counter? You know, play up top. Okay. You know, like play the melody and everybody else. But, and then bluegrass become, is more like jazz in the sense that each instrument sort of steps up one after another to play through the main melody and kind of improvise off of it. And, okay. Yeah. So that's a, that's, in that way, it's similar to jazz. Is that where the, sort of the, the solo came? Yeah, exactly. That's amazing. Yeah. And bluegrass, they call it a break. Different okay. Instruments take a break. Oh which wow! Is actually kind of the opposite of what it is because you're not taking a break. You're actually <laughs> you're front and stepping center. up. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, uh, so you saw a lot of that when you were a kid. Oh yeah, we were because he was every always playing in the summer. Yeah, my dad was in bands all along, and I, I just banjo was the coolest. It still is, isn't it? Yeah, fiddle's, yeah. fiddle's pretty cool. Like fiddle's if you're a pretty... kid and you want to be flashy, yep. Banjo and fiddle are the ones. Guitar, boring, right? Right. Yeah. Mandolin, not not what you're mandolin looking for. T- mandolin's good too. I like mandolin. Well, they're also. nice because they're they're interesting, yeah. right? They're more interesting than a guitar player. Yeah. The guitar's a great instrument, and you know who doesn't want to you know pull that out and start playing some yeah. John Denver. But also the problem in, with a guitar in a bluegrass setting is that it's it's more of a uh, steady roll. It holds it holds the chord that everybody's okay. on and plays the rhythm. And then when they step up to take a break. They're they're quiet. An acoustic guitar is is hard to mic as loud as a, a banjo or a fiddle. So it, it's it's not quite as flashy. And Why as a kid, is a you definitely go for louder. the flash. A banjo can be a very loud. There's a instrument. lot of metal in the instrument. Okay, and so that resonates. Yeah, and there's actually a thing on the back called a resonator, which amplifies the sound out frontwards. R- and what also, does that look like? Is it inside? It's of like it? a wooden, flat. 
it's like a deep dish pizza. Okay. Uh, container. Yep. What that would be yeah, made yeah. of wood. Made of wood. And so that forces the sound to go forward through little metal holes all around the rim of the banjo. The banjo has like a drum head on top. Right, but and like a, a strainer. Of, yeah. Yeah. And so all the sound comes out those holes. And all how many the are there? Are there a, a distinct number of them, or is it uh, mixing? I don't really know. Yeah. However many you can fit around however different many, designs. Yeah. But that's the difference between like old time banjos were often open backed, so that the sound would just kind of resonate in general, or it would kind of go back into the to the performer's person. belly. Yeah, yeah. And so it has much more of a funky sort of sound than a ban- a bluegrass banjo, particularly, is like loud and brassy and. Yeah, it feels obnoxious. right. It feels yeah. like a real brass instrument yeah. more than anything else. It's really and loud. what's the neck made out of? Is it just wood or is it yeah, also it's, metal? Yeah, it's wood. There's sometimes there's a truss rod through the middle that kind of keeps it from bending because there's a lot of torque on those strings. So sometimes you know a neck can bend forward okay. over the years. So a truss rod is something to it's keep it metal, straight. Yeah, a metal rod through uh, there. Okay. Wow. But and I'm, I'm no luthier. I don't really know the ins and outs of building. Luthier? Yeah. Is he the guy that makes them? No, luthier is a name, fancy name for a music. Instrument builder, See? at least a wooden. Instrument, talk, talk, talk to me briefly about Luthier. the dorky, uh, the dorky <laughs> words of yesteryear, and uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I bet you there was a guy named Luther. Probably. Uh, maybe. And, and this guy's like Luther, like yeah. the Luthier. So, did you get private lessons? Did you? Yeah, I had lessons when I was a little kid, and I was probably nine or so, and I quit, as okay. most most people do. You yeah, know, yeah. I thought it would be great to be a banjo player, and then I started learning it, and banjo learning. Sounds nothing like banjo playing. <laughs> because banjo playing, bluegrass style, has to be so fast. But mm-hmm. there's no way your fingers can do that for the first year even. Right. right. I don't know, the first month. Or ever. Yeah. For so, some people. Yeah. yeah. So, you're, so you're reading and you're learning note for note these like Earl Scruggs solos. And when he plays them, it's... When you play them, it's like... And did he read music? I don't think he did. Probably not. Right. So what people have done is that they have transcribed his yeah. music and then taught a nine-year-old how to read yeah. music and then how well, to play the banjo. We don't read music. Banjo. It's like a, it's like a diagram sort of thing. It's called tablature or tablature. I don't know how okay. they pronounce it, but it's really? just it shows the strings and like this note is a three fret. This note is and so you just read it like you just geographically. Yeah. You're reading fingerings yeah, yeah. more than yeah. Oh, that's interesting yeah. because like guitars. I don't use read notes. music still. I yeah, mean, I know. I, I took music in elementary school, so I know that yeah. E-G-B-D-F, sure. F-A-C-E. You can spell face. That. You know that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that But I can't up. read. I could never right. read fluently, like play along to... But 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 it's not written like that anyway. It's written right. with frets and, and, and fingerings and in, stuff In like all that. my experience, yeah, bluegrass kind of stuff has been that way. That's... Tablature. Okay. Yeah. And then, you know, it's, if, you're, if you're lucky, you had one of those books that had a little... Flappy little record that you could play and hear, oh. hear it like there. I think uh, I think I had an Earl Scruggs. Gosh, I don't remember, but this is how long ago. Right, like, right, learn so to play five string banjo, right, right. Scruggs or somebody, and, and had it, a little. And it came with a forty five yeah, or something, yeah, exactly. right? Yeah. yeah. So I probably had something like that, but I also I did have a, a, a teacher, and I can't remember his name suddenly. But it, it was, but it was, it was a, for the first couple of years when you're you well. Were I didn't. Your first couple of months, really. I, I dropped it pretty quick. What brought um, you? So when did you come back? So I came back to it. Uh, how old was I? I guess I was in late twenties. Okay. Um, it's when you started uh, deciding to be a cartoonist. Right before that, yeah. Right before you were like, I am also I was going like, I'm to gonna learn. get back into all the dorky things. <laughs> I'm going to pick up juggling again. Excellent. Banjo playing. Fantastic. Model trains. No, I didn't do model trains. Oh, that's the wow. one thing that's too dorky for me. Oh, you should listen to the train episode. <laughs> Is there one? The train. Yeah, the, it's a dork expedition where I where the where an awesome guy from Ann Arbor, Michigan, shows me around. It's him and a bunch of buddies of his are recreating. They've recreated a freight train. Uh, like in the basement of the house? with on. Oh, no. These are gentlemen who have and... disposable income. Oh. So they have rented... Uh, oh, like wow. a, like a garage out in the middle of, outside of Ann Arbor. I drove out with his wife and we we're like 20 minutes in the car and she said, aren't you glad uh, I'm with him? Cause I was like, yeah, cause are we looking for a lime pit? And uh, cause I didn't know them. <laughs> they took me out for lovely yeah. chicken dinner. Anyway, so, uh, but it's, uh, fascinating cause we never ran the train. It's an huh. audio. Uh, we, ne- he never it's... turned the train on. Oh. Because it was on a schedule, and so he couldn't turn the train on. I got like, that. Sorry, the four thirteen doesn't leave for eighteen minutes. Yeah, we did. It doesn't leave now. <laughs> and uh, but he did. This, they. It was him and his buddies describing all different parts of this beautiful train oh, yeah? setup. So not to do not. Uh, yeah. Do not denigrate. Do not the denigrate model the, the model train lover. Oh yeah, for, I've for seen some cool real. ones. I have yeah, to say nothing like that. But and and I have no. I mean that is a commitment yeah. that I do not have. But I appreciate the their love. 
of it. Oh yeah, sure. So the banjo, you got into it when you were like yeah, in got your into late it 20s. again, and that, that's when I started. I learned claw hammer instead of bluegrass because I figured it would be simpler. And it, it, it maybe it is, but the first months of that is pretty tedious yeah. too, trying to get the motion of it down and the rhythm of it. Well, yeah, everything, everything with a learned skill, especially yeah. instruments, they sound horrible. Yeah. My sister, uh, plays the banjo, actually. Yeah. And, um, she started on the violin and she was horrible because she oh, was, uh, eight. so bad. Yeah. When so, it's bad, it's so bad. It's the worst. The, it was the, one of the best parenting things that my <laughs> parents ever did was to allow her to continue and to actually insist that she practice. Yeah. It's one of the. That'd be tough. It's I a, think as a parent. It's a beautiful thing as a parent, yeah. uh, to insist that your children learn an Make instrument. Make horrible noises. <laughs> Yes. And she was so mad that she didn't know that she could quit. Like, mm. I quit viola almost immediately. Oh, okay. uh, she didn't know. And when we were all eight, we had to take an instrument. And so she practiced, she did it out of spite, <laughs> would practice for like three hours a day. So five months later, she was actually pretty good. Yeah. And, uh, but that, those first five months, it was the worst. Ex- oh, it was yeah. like someone was killing rats. Yeah. There's so many ways to f- make a fiddle or a violin sound bad. I mean, cause you don't have frets, so you can be out of pitch that way. And Just the bowing. The be- bowing is not strong enough or yeah. even enough or yeah. any of it. The right angle. It doesn't and have the right resin pressure. on it. You got, all you get, you're just like oh, it's the worst. I picked so. up a fiddle. I've tried. Um, yeah, it's pretty bad. But so you've been playing. You've been playing the banjo. I've been playing, now. but I should clarify. I'm not good. I have no musical talent. Like I, everything I've learned. It? I wish I could play. I, I, I love the music. I right. don't love my playing. Okay. So do you play much? Uh, you know, you I pick it up it probably every day, but I don't. Okay. I'm not like practicing. I'm not learning like in an aggressive way. I'm just like playing what I already know how to play. Right, you're just playing. Yeah. Yeah. It's which, nice. It's nice to get away from whatever focused task, in my case, drawing yeah. or writing a joke or whatever, mm-hmm. and just do that because it's mindless and, and, and it probably helps me somehow. Yeah, it takes you out of it. It's a different, you're refilling yeah. the well in some yeah. sort of artist way moment. Yeah. Very beautiful. Let's say that. And, uh, <laughs> sure. What the heck? Juggling has that same mesmerizing yeah, thing true. to it, don't yeah, you think? Yeah. Yeah. Now what about, now where did you? Yeah, juggling I picked up, I guess about the, I don't know, the early teens, probably 12 or 13, like most boys do. It's, it's, I wonder what the percentage of, of boys who can juggle three tennis balls or whatever, probably pretty high. I do remember it being a thing, like a show off thing yeah. in junior high. Yeah. Where guys were like, watch this. Yeah, check and, it out. <laughs> and, uh, hey ladies. Hey ladies. Check me out. I don't think you understand. I'm 13 <laughs> and I can keep all three balls in the air. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so. most, most guys, I mean, cause you can learn it in half an hour probably, just the basic. Yeah, you know, I've never motion. been able. I've never been able to juggle. You probably uh, you probably practiced for twenty minutes. Yeah, and you didn't gave go it up. that extra ten minutes. That extra ten minutes would have done it. <laughs> it's uh, it's the same thing. It's uh, it, it's like learning a new video game. You got to put in fourteen hours, yep. and then uh, you'll always be able to use that uh, that controller, and Joystick. you'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I never yep. did video games. That's something I completely missed. You just uh, somehow. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. You know, you're not missing that much. I mean, there's. Uh, it looks awful fun. Well, they are they are really fun, but you found other things yeah. to do with your hands. I probably uh, accumulated years of time to put put into something else like drawing. Right, right. Yeah. Now, because you have the motor skills, there's drawing and there's music and there's juggling, and these are all sort of hand eye coordination yeah. kind of things. It's true. What do you do? You juggle just. I what do you love it. about you know, juggling? I, 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 well, I mean, just. It, it's a magic trick. You're doing this yeah. thing and it's perpetual motion in between your hands and it's just kind of amazing when you first sort of get it and it has that – when it gets smooth and you're just like, this is going and I can keep it going. Right. And then, you know, you see somebody else, oh, he went under the leg. I'm going to try to do that yeah, behind yeah. the back. And then, there's, you know, there's hundreds of tricks you can do with just three balls and, right. you know, that becomes they're, – they're purists to only juggle three, you know, because then the next step is to go to numbers, you know, four and five. And, yeah. And I got to five and can kind of keep that going pretty well. And yeah. then there's – you know, flipping objects like juggling clubs or right, knives those, the, or the things whatever. that look like bowling ball, yeah, bowling yeah. pins. You have to do, you know, you have to learn that that flip and then the double flips. Right. Have you so seen the great jugglers? Oh yeah, I think have, so. It's uh, it's so hard, I think, sometimes with magic and juggling because we've seen so much of it on television. Yeah. That it's hard to be wowed in person. Yeah. By something I couldn't do on my best day. 
Yeah. I'm like, why am I so judgmental of someone who's only juggling three yeah. saws? Or music you know. too. If you see music live, you have a whole other appreciation of, oh, he's actually making those sounds with his fingers. And, yeah, yeah, and there's gravity and all this stuff. Yeah, but juggling is 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 one of those. I, I would. I'm always glad that I would took juggling instead of magic, though, because magic you you spend all your life doing this equally difficult task, but the whole thing is you you hide it. Nobody knows oh, right. that you did this amazingly <laughs> dexterous right? move with cards or whatever. Yep. But juggling, it's all, you know, the whole point is to show it off. It's so. to show it off. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there is there is more of a showmanship to it, even though there's a there's a guy who, he's on America's Got Talent, actually. He's uh-huh. a comic and magician from Minneapolis, where I'm, my stand-up comedy okay. home hometown. His name is Derek Hughes. And he... I just did a show. Uh, Johnny Carson was a juggler and a magician. Yeah. And uh, I did a, a show in his hometown. And so the people who opened it was a, were jugglers. Oh, cool. And then like a was, team of jugglers? Te- they yeah, were a yeah, duo yeah. of jugglers. Yeah, I did that. And they, were you in a team? Yeah. yeah. How long did that last? What did well, you guys I was in a couple doing? teams. One of them was really dorky in the 80s called Tempo. Tempo? Yeah. Oh, yes. my gosh. And we used to wear, like, all have, black. From except... Chess King? Did you go to Chess King <laughs> no, and get but, some? <laughs> no, but, but almost. Kind of the equivalent. But this is the 80s, so we had, like, neon wristbands and neon Sweet. socks. Like, yes. lime green neon. Oh, man. And it was all about, like, uh, passing clubs between several people and intricate patterns and all that oh, stuff. Oh, right. Uh, and then I was uh, that we didn't really do much. We we maybe had performed twice. And did you uh, do it at tempo? A lot at tempo. What is yeah. that? Oh, up to yeah. tempo. Up to yeah, tempo. Yeah. We did it very fast. Very yes, fast. very quickly. Um, but then I was with a, just a buddy of mine, and we put together a very rudimentary uh, sort of two man act that we did in, in the street in in Boston Harvard Square. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, that was pretty fun. And we would there are some amazing jugglers that work in Boston. I mean, I guess every main major town that has an outdoor. Busking sort of culture, but yeah. yeah, there was a guy named Jim the Juggler and a guy named Peter Panic. Yeah, they were just world class street performers. Just yeah. create. I mean, just the gift that you could see. What's the coolest ones? What are the ones that? that what, what were your favorite things that you were able to to do? What they, well, we you would are do? We would do, do like a very quick. We were like Southerners in Boston. That was kind of our shtick. So we were a couple of good old boys doing this quick little. 15 minute, maybe even a 10 minute show to get a quick crowd, yep. pass the hat and get out. Right. Um, so we would do our big climax was, uh, uh, passing torches past a volunteer in the middle. Ooh. So it's, which is technically not that difficult to do, but oh. it's a big crowd pleaser and yeah, it seems dangerous. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's not actually very dangerous. Why isn't it dangerous? Well, the, the fire is burning alcohol in the, like, you know, uh, whatever it's called, charcoal lighter fluid kind of stuff in the wick of the torch. Okay. So it's, it's really eating up that, f- that fuel. And as long as there's fuel, it will choose to, to burn that instead of anything else, anything else, Hair including or- your hand. If you catch the end of it. Yeah. You know, you're not gonna hold it for long. So as right, soon as you let go of it, you're, you don't get any burn. I mean, maybe singe your hair a little right, bit. Right, but you will knuckles. not get like a third degree burn no, no, or anything unless like you, that. Unless you fight every impulse and hold on to it. <laughs> um, uh, and then you have some sort of psychological problem. Right, right. Yeah, you're and so, G. Gordon Liddy. Yeah, the, uh, only, the only danger is occasionally I've juggled torches facing the wind. Yeah. And if at the very beginning when the flame's really high, you can have that flame Kind of because it curves right in front of your face. The, right, the so you can kind of, of singe your eyebrows. Yeah, you can singe your eyebrows. And, yeah, I've done that a couple <laughs> yeah. times. But there, what, what, it's always amazed me that people are the people who volunteer to stand in the middle of that. <laughs> yeah, do they know about juggling? Maybe usually they know. not. Usually not. How do they? I would never volunteer. <laughs> the things that I saw these guys were throwing. Okay, so they were there was a swing. One of the jugglers. So there's one a swing. Yeah, there was, uh, one of the jugglers was on a swing with a volunteer lady who was on a swing. Like a swing, like a kid swing? Back and forth, like a kid swing. And, uh, they were swinging in opposite ways. And then my phone rang. And then my phone. Because, uh, the home phone rings sometimes. Yeah. So. You gonna um, get it? We gonna broadcast your phone call? Tell me again about the swing. I'm trying to right. visualize. So they had their own like A-frame. They had like a, a little swing. A-frame okay. that uh, had a swing, and then they had a target that had balloons blown up balloons on it okay. to hit with a knife. Oh man! Right, yeah. and uh, they would swing in front of the balloons, and then the guy that was throwing the knife was blindfolded, <laughs> and then he's on the swing. No, okay. the guy on the swing and the woman are in charge of saying. Um, now, throw the knife now. Wow. And she's in charge of saying, throw the knife now. And the guy is in charge of saying, more to the right, 
to, for, up, down, oh, and if he breaks, and it's one balloon, and there's a hundred dollar okay. bill in the balloon, okay. and if he he blows up the balloon, the lady gets a hundred bucks. Okay. Uh, there's not a hundred dollars in the world. If he that pops is, the balloon. If he pops yeah. the balloon. Okay. That's not worth it. That's yeah. not worth it to me to get on a swing. And swing so in she's front of a swinging, knife. yeah, so it's in she's swinging in the knife. path of where the knife, and he's saying yeah. now when she's on yeah. the back swing or whatever. Yep. Yeah. That's pretty frightening. It seemed frightening. And then there was a lot of jumping over people and juggling with with fire yeah. over people that are blindfolded with a chain. With the chainsaw was going. I don't know if there was a blade in the chainsaw, but who? Just people would just any people oh, yeah. were on board. They just trust. Like, they, I'm going to trust this sweaty hippie juggler to not kill me. Right. I on, think I think in most cases Harvard the Square. risk. Yeah, the risk is pretty low. It, like in our case, I know we weren't doing. You were bonded, like of course. That, but we're there's no way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. forever we see them every year now. There's very little way we were going to hit them with a, a torch. That's amazing. That's just I mean, because we can see. Yes. We're. we're, we're I mean, you're juggling, right. but you're look when you're good right. enough, you can you can see past it, and you're. Yeah, I'm and, not going to throw it if she leans forward. And no one's giving whoever. you a dollar if you start hurting people, right, right. so you're not going to try that trick. But I mean, that's that's a pretty rudimentary thing. I mean, the, Peter Panic, one of the guys I mentioned, he used to put a volunteer on his shoulders like a kid. Really, and he would get on like an eight foot unicycle, and he's riding around, and he would ride like. Sometimes in traffic, you know, there's cars zipping right there, and yeah. you know, he would kind of back and forth, and then he'd start juggling things and. Wow. I, I guess the kid, the kid is probably safe. I imagine if all goes wrong and he loses his balance, he's. The kid could fall down and hurt He's going to hold the kid and he's going to land on his feet in yeah. most cases. Right. Was it usually a kid or was it usually like it was another usually a person? kid, yeah. Sometimes it, that would be the thing. He would get heavier and heavier people and right? that's where it gets dangerous. <laughs> on top of the unicycle. On top of the unicycle. Yeah. So that was Peter Panic. What Peter was the other Panic, guy? The gym great. guy. Jim the juggler. He was great. Um, his thing was, he was more of a character. But these guys would do like, I was fascinated by this. I actually made, started to make a documentary film about it. And, yeah. You know, shot, I don't know, years worth of footage and never did anything with it. Sure. One of my big failures. Um, uh, <laughs> failure but, to follow through. But anyway, he would. You get to see some amazing. These guys people. would do like an hour long show and they would gather people on the street who would stay there for an hour. Wow. And then at the end, of course, give them money and more money than we ever got in a pot. We were just in it for the quick, quick right. buck. But um, he was just masterful at, at just holding the crowd and the mechanisms that he used to do that and persuading them to give money. And just little things. I remember he said, like, if you give props, like if you give a, a juggling club to a kid in the crowd, yeah, he says almost 90% of your audience won't leave just because they want to know what's the kid going to do with the club. How's that yeah. going to come into it? So he does all this sort of stuff to keep the crowd. And, oh, anyway, wow. Going, it's, no, no, that's perfect because that's the kind of – that's the kind of sales technique. That's the pitch. Yeah. You, you, that's how you keep them. You keep them. Do you on think board. about that like in an hour-long stand-up? Do you plant things? Uh, to, I don't to... plant anything. I, I mostly there's. Well, there's not physically, a... but I mean, are there? How do you make an hour show? This is a longer well, conversation. You, well, no, no, that no, it's fine. It's the the thing about stand-up is that there has to be a change of topics. I've always like I wonder with with people like Stephen Wright, uh -huh. who it's yeah. all one-liners, yeah. and you're like uh, to see forty-five minutes to an hour. Of one-liners like Mitch Hedberg, yeah. Um, you'll notice that if you watch their hour, that there is, you know, there'll be uh, hills and valleys of when it's straight one line, like a like a fast sort of. And both of those guys are slow talkers, so yeah. not there's never a fast, but it'll be a series of one-liners, and then there will be a little bit the, of a story. Uh, yeah, the Stephen Wright version of a tale. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> which is only like six jokes long, but right, but, but it breaks it up. It makes yeah. your it makes your brain work in a different way, so that you can get back into it. Hmm. And he's incredibly gifted in that thing. But it's it's such a what because I'm a storyteller, right on on yeah. stage. So what I do is I change. I can change like the topic. It's and it doesn't. It doesn't feel un inorganic to, but move. it gives the audience a moment to sort of shift and settle in again. Right. And, kind of and, and there's, there's faster jokes and then there's, you got to give them time to breathe and have mm -hmm. a beverage and kind of, you know, just give them a minute to, to think about a little bit. Yeah. And, and there just has to be a rhythm to it. And sometimes it's like, I, I don't, I don't ever plan it. It would be great if I did plan it because then really? it would be a learned skill. What do you mean you don't plan it? You don't plan out an hour long set? Well, I write a set list, but I don't, uh, things in, in, with my, depending on how long I'm doing it, they just, stories just tend to lend themselves to the next story. Okay. The jokes kind of bleed into the next. Do you always start and stop the same with the same chunk and then? I, I usually have, I usually have the same opener and closer 
um, unless I'm working on something new. And then sometimes I'll poorly choose to lead with something new, <laughs> uh, which would be awesome if it worked. Yeah. Uh, but you don't know. You never know if it's going to work. Yeah. So, you know, it's, uh, it's a different, but it's whatever you're performing. I love, cause those, there are tricks clearly to like, you will watch, like I'll watch a comic. Um, and I've done it myself where if things are not going well, I have more than enough skills to milk the goodwill of the audience to keep them engaged and not walking out. I did an hour last, last two weekends ago, something like that, maybe a month ago in Northern Wisconsin at an Indian casino. I just Mm -hmm. went to do a weird one nighter Mm -hmm. and it was, it was fun, but the audience was very on vacation and rural and older and curious and didn't really know what stand-up comedy was. So there was a lot of leaning and staring politely at me. (laughs) And they're like, Oh, I see what she, that was a joke. I see what that was. And, uh, (laughs) and you're like, Oh, I'm used to more laughs. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're just going to be, you're like, you're looking at me like I'm an emu and, uh, emu. Is that how you pronounce it? Okay. Flightless bird, I believe. Sure. It's just a bird you don't see around a lot, but you know what it is. Yeah. Like an ostrich, but the less popular ostrich. The less common ostrich. And, uh, yeah. So, I, at those points, have to look at the audience, and I've already done 60 minutes of material, and I'm at 45 minutes. Uh, because I tend... faster because they weren't laughing. Right, they're not laughing. They're not so doing their part right, well, <laughs> to and, fill the time. <laughs> we, we both have a job here, guys. Yeah. And uh, so I have to find more jokes and more, you know, more reasons to... And so if I start so going... So in your back in, pocket, you kind of have something like, this works for everybody. Yes. This, yeah. Hilariously, I got off stage and, uh, I turned, I was like, you know, I was, I was trying to figure out what they were really going to like. And then I, a light bulb hit me. I have a 20 minute chunk about performing for the troops in various mm. different places, Iraq and Africa and all this yeah. stuff. They would have loved that yeah. material. It but you thought out. of it afterwards? Yeah. 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 There was, I was like, Hey, can we all get back up there? Cause I got another 20 that, <laughs> no, that you, I think you really, this is what you really would have liked to have heard about. <laughs> but I'm, there's I'm no, amazed by that just to be able to get up there with a microphone and, and keep people for an hour or even longer in some cases. Yeah. Like, well, it sounds like the, like, you know, it's like the magic. Street. There's a lot of the skill is invisible. I think. Yeah. I mean, you see the jokes and like, okay, you can analyze why that's funny or whatever, but I think there's more going on. That when I mean I tried stand up and I was never aware of that backward sort of the background oh, the, mechanics of how you're judging an audience and how you're keeping them and leading them through. Oh, the, in the moment kind yeah. of thing, like from beat just performance to beat. skills. Yeah, from beat to beat, you have to be aware of exactly where everybody. It's it's you'll hear a lot of comics talk about how 180 people in the audience love them. One guy in the mm. third row had his arms crossed, and all you could do was focus, focus on, on that, that guy. guy yeah. And you you. Have to train yourself to not care about that guy. Right. That guy has been brought by his wife. He has a six pack at home. They don't cost seven dollars a piece. Yeah. It's very disappointing for him that yeah. he's out. But nobody else is seeing him. Like you're no, seeing, you're looking right at him. Right. Everybody else I sees can, the back of his I head. can only feel yeah. his eyes just burning into me. And um, and it's that's the learned skill is to yeah. is to be aware of everyone in the room, and that is a learned skill. You know, I mean, the first time you go up, you're more concerned with making sure you hit the jokes. I, yeah. I imagine. I mean, it was so long ago <laughs> that, or even remembering what they are. Yeah. Right. Just remembering what you're supposed to say. Yeah. And then, but by this time, when I'm on stage, I'm, I'm very aware of where everybody yeah. sort of is emotionally. It's like juggling. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're not looking at the, <laughs> the things you're throwing at that point. Once you get good enough, you're yeah. looking at the audience. Right. And so the juggling is going on without your... Right, the juggling is... Really your conscious... The, right, the joke is written. The yeah. joke is written, the joke can you be told. It. Yeah. It's, uh, I want to make sure that that lady who is half in the bag uh, puts her phone down. Yeah. And that'd be great. Yeah. Uh, and... I think everything is like juggling when you think about it. Is everything it? like juggling? <laughs> Do, Probably not. Well, no, I think it kind of is just because of, of, of the analogy. You do analogy. have to learn the skill. Right. And then once the skill is there, then you focus on, yeah. focus on people. Yeah. Jackie, that's what it's about. People. It is about people. <laughs> <laughs> Why wouldn't it be? And with jugglers, I mean, there's, they're easy. 
everything is easy to make fun of, you know, yeah. whatever, especially I remember Penn or Teller, the one that talks, yeah. uh, talking about, uh, it's Penn, Penn, I think. Yeah. yeah. Talking about up close magic and about uh-huh. how learning how to do up close magic is one of the most antisocial things yeah, in the world. Sure. Cause you spend six hours a day in front of a mirror. Staring at yourself and staring at your the hands. Same motion, and doing trying this. to get it smooth. Yeah. yeah there's, why would you have any yeah. people skills? Yeah. And so it's, it's easy to make fun of that guy, you yeah. know? But whenever I see Derek Hughes, I always hand him something. And I'm like, make it disappear. <laughs> and, because uh, <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. Right? And if, everyone loves magic and they pretend not to. I mean, I got to go to the house of magic, you know, last year sometime. And that saw, magic like, castle s- thing? Magic or? castle. I'm sorry. Yeah. I saw like six different shows. It was just, a mo- everyone was more amazing than the next. And right. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy good. Yeah, really good. How, how much work it takes to, I mean, it's, and I saw a ventriloquist. Yeah. And this woman, I, I've told this story before. Uh, it is, it was Tom Conti's daughter. Why the hell do I only know her as Tom Conti's daughter? She <laughs> has she a name. That. I think her name is Nicole. It isn't. Yeah. I forget what her name is. Uh, but her last name's Conti. Yeah. And she is a very beautiful woman. And she is a ventriloquist. And I was watching, uh, the Los Angeles, I was at Montreal at a comedy festival. Yeah. And so I'm watching just a pile of haircuts. Right? Like just industry types watch her and you can see the wheels in their head going, oh, she's, she's really talented. How do we get her to lose the puppet? Yeah. And you can't, you can't get her to right. lose the puppet. Nobody learns how to do ventriloquism. Ventriloquism? Did you have a, did you have a ventriloquist puppet? Uh, I never did. That's did you ever? Theory. I did. Yeah. I did for, you know, one Christmas I asked for one and then, you know, worked on it for three days probably and quit. It's super hard, right? Yeah. yeah. To, yeah, to, to not move it. your, yeah. And, um, and then what about, did, did you get all the, did you get all those, like, cause you get a magic kit one year <laughs> and then one year you get a ventriloquist probably, thing. Probably, but I general. probably asked for these things. I yeah. mean, I, I remember being into this stuff and, and wanting it. Um, yeah. you ever get a microscope and a chemistry kit and no, oddly enough. Yeah. I no, was you never did interested wanted... in science, only in performance, <laughs> only in performance, uh, ventriloquist, magic, juggling, all that stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. It's uh so Banjo. there's an international jugglers association convention. Oh, yeah. Have you been yeah, to Yeah, I've been to one of those uh was years ago, probably 10 years ago now in Buffalo. They had one. I was living in New York at the time and went up there. I actually trained for, they have a thing called joggling. You ever heard of this? No, what's joggling? Is <laughs> that juggling while jogging? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> clever Sounds type, healthy. clever name. Yeah. Sounds super oh, yeah, healthy. You get out there, exercise a little. Yep. Um, so yeah, it's, it's juggling while running and at the, at the festival every year, they have basically a track meet, but yeah. all the events, people are juggling. <laughs> So it's joggling. So I, I actually, totally want to see <laughs> yeah. that. There's a YouTube clips, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure um, joggling. But I got, you know, I got, I trained for like the 100 meters. Okay. Three ball, 100 meters. Three ball, 100, uh, 100 meters. meters. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, I got into it. I had a friend of mine who was, uh, you're doing this? I'm going to video it. So we tried to make a documentary, another failed documentary. Do, we never finished it. Have you always it, wanted to be a filmmaker? I know, that, you know, yeah, a little bit. Is that bit. maybe what yeah. is, what's happening there? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've got several failed films or never finished films. That's my. Do you know problem. how to edit film? Um, I know how, but I don't have the stuff set up now. But it's like, also just overwhelming. You start editing a film, and then you, you just, the the options. I'm good. Be, the, the the fact that I draw on paper with a pencil. Yeah. I mean, you would think a pencil you can erase, but the, I bear down and it's dark pencil, so I can't erase. Really, so I'm <laughs> committed, and that's a really good thing for me. If I was on a computer where I could endlessly go back and change, I, yeah. I would never get anything done. That's uh, interesting. Because you guess. would think with a pen and paper, you would just get a new piece of paper. Well, I do. I mean, I, right. I like for a cartoon, a finished piece of art for the New Yorker, for instance. I'll yeah. do six different ones usually and um, pick the best one everyone should know by the way uh i should have said your name at least three other times <laughs> matthew <laughs> diffie matthew diffie you guys who by the way has uh hand-drawn jokes for smart attractive people new yorker cartoonist and uh you're ed- the editor of the rejection collection yeah what is that well those are a couple of books i guess yeah two volume one and volume two and then like a, a, a bind up of the two of all the new yorker well, let me, I have to start it back. So New Yorker cartoons, we do 10 a week. Okay. We turn them in and the New Yorker has room for about 12, 15 cartoons in an issue and there's about 50 of us doing this. So there's lots of material that's getting rejected. Right. More than anyone would imagine. Right. Um, way more so than 90% many. of our and stuff. And you're doing 10 a week? Yeah. Wow. And they, almost all of them get rejected. Just, just the numbers. Just because the numbers, yeah. yeah. So the rejection collection is, is me gathering up the very best rejected cartoons from the, my the cronies. Ones- Oh, from yeah. your cronies. Yeah, yeah. All the New Yorker cartoons that you normally see in the magazine, these are their 
rejected ones. Okay. The, the best rejected ones. And in, the, in most cases, they're rowdiest. Right. Most inappropriate for the New Yorker. Just a little ones. too, a little too, too edgy. hot for the New Yorker. Yeah. Too hot. Too edgy. <laughs> too weird in too some weird. cases. Too weird. So that, yeah, I edited a couple of those and, and this is my first actual book of my own stuff. Okay. Um, so the rejection collectioner is exactly that. Yeah, those so are all, two all volumes. Yeah. That's everybody. And then this one, hand drawn jokes for smart, attractive people is, uh, is yours. Just Matthew Diffie. Yeah. And these are the ones that all made it in. True. In most cases, and then yeah. there's extra stuff that I did just for the book. Oh, just for, that's yeah. right, because you had pages to fill. Yeah. So that's that's awesome. And you're at Matthew Diffie on on Twitter mm-hmm. and Instagram, or no, or whatever. Yeah, yeah all of it. Yep. And then uh, Matthew Diffie. It's not a lot of competition for Matthew Diffie. Oh, the nice. Name. Dot yeah. com. D i f f e e. People yeah. should know Matthew. Sort of like spelled coffee. like Matthew. Yeah. Oh yeah, two e's like coffee. Yeah. So. Um, what were we talking about? We were ta- we were talking about that international juggling. Oh, juggling. Juggling. Oh, and, yeah. and then, and then the difference between drawing a cartoon, which you think of as more finite, and then the infinite editing that can be done oh, yeah. when of, you shoot film. Yeah. Have you done, have you edited stuff? Isn't it overwhelming? The choices and the options and the. Yeah, that's why I don't. Uh, oh. that's why, because. Oh yeah, if all, you started almost, editing this podcast. Right, if I edited this podcast and tried to take out every um. Yeah. And I, I did take out some ums on an episode a couple of uh, days ago because I have, I was going through where I had memory problems. I was, I don't know what the hell was going on, but I couldn't talk. Yeah. Not great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> since that's what I do. But I was editing and Andy was listening to it in the other room and he goes, and I was trying to, f- there was a chunk where I took out probably 11 seconds of me not being able to Remember form something? a sentence. Yeah. And I just pulled that out and he goes, what the hell's going on in there? He's in the kitchen and yeah. I go, welcome to the inside of my head, which he was like, that's trouble. Yeah. And I said, that is trouble. It's a slippery slope because then you start taking out little things that really don't matter and then right. you hear if, more things and then you. Well. I used to do more editing, sort of the ums and uhs and yeah. try to, and try to tighten it up a little bit, but there's just too many episodes and not enough time in the world. Yeah. So and nobody really cares. The things that I stress out about and you stress about in our art, nobody else notices. They don't notice and that. they, and they, and especially with podcasts, people like the mess. Yeah. People are like, what did you just say? <laughs> yeah. I'm at work. Uh, I never make that comment about whatever. You know, yeah. why Why would that have come out of your head? You seem like a nice person. <laughs> You're like, well, sometimes yeah. there's a dark spot in my brain. Yeah. And uh, But what are you going to do? So you could be seen, by the way, at book festivals. You yeah, go to book I'm doing festival. a bunch of them in the fall, Texas and, and Miami and... Oh, that's neat. Nashville. And, do you yeah, have any? Do you have any recordings of your banjo? No, I'm not. I have to say again, I'm not a good banjo player. Right, right. You just so. you just love <laughs> I it. I really am not. I'm not so, being falsely humble. So, so if I'm you were to good. recommend people listen to bluegrass, what would you recommend people listen oh, to? Oh man, uh, so this is tricky because there's traditional bluegrass and then there's stuff that I consider bluegrass, but hardcore people don't. Okay. I think Gillian Welch is kind of the best music there right now. is, but she doesn't have a banjo. Well, they, they play some banjo. Um, it's just a duo. It's, oh, it's a David bluegrass Rawlings duo. And Gillian Welch. Okay. It's a band called Punch Brothers. If you want to go real progressive, okay. Um, they're like very sophisticated, fancy, not Fa- fancy, sophisticated, fancy. like classical uh, rock and roll influence, just really pushing the instruments to a no, a whole nother level. Uh, a current and, and, band that's pretty traditional is the Steep Canyon Rangers, who okay. play with Steve Martin on his albums. They're great from Asheville, area. and that's more traditional bluegrass. Yeah, is What's is the, the non traditional bluegrass? Does it feel more? Country or rock or... It can go in any direction. You know, there's Electronica bluesy. dubstep? What's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. probably Actually, sure there, there is there a is band somebody. called Gangsta Grass. Oh, really? Which does rap, uh, bluegrass oh, wow. kind of stuff. They were on the... Oh, what was that show? Shoot, I liked it too. There was a, there was a show where like there was a West Virginia cop that... Oh, what was that called? Oh, um, like... Um, uh, <laughs> we'll edit all these ums out, right? Yeah, these albums uh, will be gone. Oh, it was short-lived, right? Well, no, it was like it was, three, three or four seasons. It wasn't Dennis Leary. It was no, no, it, no, was, it was before. It was like eight years ago. Was its prime peak, sort of. Okay. Somebody out there right now is is like is yelling at their at iPod. Their, yeah. They're like, yeah, I remember that one. I oh, think my in-laws cool. watched it. Yeah, <laughs> so. I watched a bunch of it. And it was good. But it was, it was a music mystery kind of thing, right? Yeah, he was a cop, um, like a like in Memphis or something, right? I want to say it was West Virginia. Okay, he was from there and. 
Fair enough. Shoot, I can't remember. It's the same guy, the actor that but was Gangsta in. But Gangsta Grass played there? Gangsta Grass played some of their music. And what I think was the, the same song. actor who was in? He was in uh, the Western Deadwood on HBO. Yeah. He was like that guy. It's the same actor who, yeah. who played Justified Guy. Justified. Right? That's what it was. Justified. Oh, the TV that's show was called Justified? There you go. We I think got that's it. still on. Yeah. Okay, so. Okay, uh, it's still on. And my in-laws do not watch Just, Justified. Gangsta Grass did some of their. I knew those guys in New York. Well, that City. sounds awesome. First of all, I used to do a stage show in New York called the Steam Powered Hour, which yeah. was comedy and bluegrassy music, sort of like a, a, a hipster hee haw, if you yeah. can imagine, Brooklyn version of oh, Home Companion. Are you going to do that here in Los Angeles? I thought about it. I, uh, well, I was going to do it in Austin when I was there. Yeah. I would do it. Well, we'll do it. Well, then I would. Well, you're from Minneapolis, so you're all steeped in steep or the uh, Prairie Home Companion. That whole world, not yeah. so much. Well, it, uh, Garrison Keillor actually—he's <laughs> not great for me. Uh, yeah. It's uh, I but like. Doesn't he just fill you with nostalgia and warmth and uh, just like ah? Oh, I'm from a Garrison factory town Keillor. in Wisconsin, oh, okay. so uh, Lake Wobegon doesn't hold its. My brother Phil, who has lived in Minneapolis now longer than he's lived anywhere, yeah. does enjoy a little Lake Wobegon talk. I do. I love it and I hate it. The same with Hee Haw. You know you. I right, grew right. up watching Hee Haw, but it's very corny. Same with Laverne and Shirley. What are you exactly. going to do? It's, uh, you do as much as you can with that 70s show. You're like, hey, that isn't Wisconsin. That's sort of like what Wisconsin. So. <laughs> I'm going to, I think I'm going to Wisconsin for a book festival. Yeah. Is We're it readers. the Wisconsin Book Festival? It'd be maybe? called the Wisconsin Book Festival. <laughs> I love, I've only been mainly to Madison, I guess, but That's, cool town. It's one of the best towns there yeah. is. Those are good people. Uh, Milwaukee's good times, though. Milwaukee yeah, could be. Been, been, been Milwaukee. It's it's great in the summer. Yeah, it's uh to go on the lake and I was up on in up in Ashland at that Indian casino, the Bad River Indian Casino oh, is cool. what it was called outside of Ashland. And um, my favorite thing about that Indian, and I told them when I was there, I said it's a Chippewa casino, and usually with native with Indian casinos, um, the first year they. It's a Quonset hut and a garage. <laughs> the second year, it's a Best Two Western. Best no, Western. it's like a, it's like they've <laughs> yeah. made enough money Boom. that they can, that they can build buildings. And yeah. then like the fifth year, it's the Bellagio. Yeah. Like huh. Foxwood sticking out of the woods like the devil's thumb, you know? And, uh, and they want to have all these things. But because it's in a suburb of Ashland, because it's outside of Ashland, Wisconsin, right by Lake Superior, and it's Chippewa Indians, uh, who are Wisconsinites, they're just like, yeah, they're going to take this away from us. Let's oh. just bury coffee cans full of money in our backyards. Yeah, and true. we're not going to, and it's awesome. Cause you're just like, you don't need to do anything. You don't, it's, everyone's going to come there and play cards and slot mm. machines anyway. So it doesn't have to be the Bellagio in Northern Wisconsin. <laughs> it can just be a best Western. Yeah. <laughs> and it is perfectly comfortable. It was lovely. I had yeah. a lovely room and uh, the food was nice. And, uh, cool. <laughs> but there was absolutely no cachet to it. Yeah. There was like, they weren't trying to be anything but Northern Wisconsin. They're like, yeah. Well, I hope you get a musky this weekend. Yeah. Have a good one. See, I love that. I love the Middle America stuff. I, you know, still going back to Texas and yeah, just, just kind of hanging local out. Local rodeo and the you know yeah, town little tractor fair pull. And love it. And uh, all good. Well, yeah. Matthew Diffie, it has been an hour, my friend, oh my and uh, I have learned things about banjos, <laughs> and I have learned things about juggling, and, and how I'm, life is like juggling, isn't it? Life is like juggling, and uh, I think it's going to be an awesome. Uh, people should f- get this book though. Hand drawn jokes for smart, attractive people. Check it out and follow him on, on, uh, the Twitter at Matthew Diffie. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you very much. Bye. Blast. And good work out there. You know the rules. Be nice to each other. But, okay, bye. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh my god. Thank we, you. why don't we just call that as the end of the show?